Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is William Justina, and today I'm going to be discussing with you the Iranian hostage crisis. Not only the crisis, but specifically how America caused the Islamic Revolution in Iran and why our citizens were captured and tortured in the embassy in 1979. Firstly, if you look at the flag of Iran today versus the flag of Iran prior to the revolution, uh, the Islamic Revolution in Iran, uh, you'll notice some big differences. Mainly the middle of the two. The Persian flag uh, in the middle has a lion with a sword and sun, symbolizing more of a conquest. However, if you look at the flag, the modern day flag of Iran, the Islamic Republic, you'll notice a symbol in the middle which is used to represent a rose, which is those who have fallen and died for their country. Uh, this as well as uh, God is Great and Farsi on both above and below. Though uh, there are the still the same uh, colors on the flag, which do represent the same things still to this day. So nationalism is defined as identification with one's own nation and support for its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. Now, we might think today of nationalism. Uh, some big examples would be uh, Adolf Hitler in Germany uh, and the Holocaust, or Russia's current invasion on Ukraine uh, as of 2022. But what if I told you that there is much more to nationalism than war? So America is full of nationalism. It's in our blood. Um, I would say the starting point of American nationalism didn't really begin with the American Revolution, but actually the War of 1812 when people started to real, realize that uh, they needed to find themselves less as citizens of a state and more of citizens of America. That really started in the War of 1812. Um, we also saw the same nationalism that spread with the Confederacy uh, and their nationalism for a Confederate state. Uh, however, what most people don't realize is that this nationalism isn't just seen in war, it's still seen today. Even with things as small as displaying flags outside your house. Americans are very proud to be American. They show their flags. Uh, all over. You can't enter an American neighborhood without seeing a flag. However, if you have ever visited another country, you'll come to find that displaying uh, their country's flag is not so prominent. Uh, and that's because it is a symbol of nationalism and very few love their nation as much as uh, Americans love theirs. So our nationalism still continues today. And that continues, uh, especially with Iranian oil, as it did in the 80s. So the United States 
uh, was, is interested in oil in every country. Uh, if a country has oil uh, and they're willing to sell to the United States at a price that is considered good for them, uh, they will intervene in that nation's affairs and do what they see fit to be able to obtain that oil. So, uh, Iran uh, in 1952 elected its first president, uh, Mohammad Mossadegh, uh, and he nationalized Iran's oil, meaning he returned it to, his pe to its people. Uh, the Iranian government was um, originally keeping wealth away from the people uh, so that they themselves would be wealthy and the United States would be wealthy. However, the wealth, wealth was now redistributed in a way where uh, it was much easier for uh, Iranians to profit and grow their economy uh, on this oil. Of course, with this came higher gas prices and the United States was not very happy with this as well as the UK. It's for this reason that in 1953 the UK and mostly the USA staged a coup d'etat and overthrow, overthrew Mossadegh um, uh, so that they could put someone into power uh, that would give them these deals on the oil and keep the oil prices low as they considered uh, oil a national security concern for America. Almost everything was powered by oil. Uh, our planes, cars, everything. Without oil, America could not function. And it's for this reason uh, that we decided to take it over uh, with this coup d'etat. Iran's oil as well was specifically important because uh, Iran uh, has a lot of, uh, very much, uh, one of the largest oil reserves in the world. Um, and having access to that uh, makes oil more competitive and cheaper uh, for the American people to buy, uh, but most importantly, the United States government. So after the coup d'etat, the United States decided to um, implement Reza Shah uh, and the um, under the Shah, uh, Iran thrived. Uh, uh, it was a modern metropolis full of American fast food chains and restaurants and ideals. Um, people dressed American. They dressed Western. There were American cars on the streets. American military planes in the in Iran's uh, air force and overall to the American public and people abroad, Iran seemed to be a country thriving under the rule of the Shah. However, this was simply not true. As I stated previously, uh, the Shah gained most of the money from the United States um, while the people of Iran starved in the streets. This money was used to purchase things that were very unnecessary, such as one of the most expensive crowns in the world, valued today at uh, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, in diamonds, gold, rubies, and other precious gemstones.
This is also because of the historical significance of the crown that it is valued at this cost. Um, the Shah was um, the Shah's wife was rumored to have actually bathed in milk, which uh, milk at the time was seen as a very opulent thing. It was seen as a luxury to even have milk and to have bathed in it was almost unheard of in the entire kingdom. Um, and the all this was happening while the Shah was actually getting his lunches flown in daily by Concord, which is uh, to this day the fastest uh, plane in the world. Um, it costs a lot of money to refill it and it costs a lot of money to run it, just so he could get his food flown in from Paris by Concord every day, hot and fresh. He would pay for that, which would have probably fed um, at the city of Tehran had he not have done that. While this happened, as the Iranian people starved, they began to get angry. However, unfortunately, the Shah also had a way to put that to an end as well. So, he had a secret police force called the Savak, and the Savak were brutal, and they were hidden. Uh, they would just kind of hide among regular people and would kind of spy for the government, portraying as you know, regular people. People were always concerned that they couldn't speak out against the government because um, there would be somebody from the Savak listening on them, or somebody could snitch to the Savak as rewards were high for those that gave up people uh, that were considered uh, enemies of the state. If these people were caught, they were, they were tried, however very short-lived, and hung publicly by cranes. Um, this was to instill fear in the Iranian people and to keep them pressed and to stop them from rising up against the Shah. So, the um, the big point during this time now uh, was not even the um, uh, the money that they were living in poverty, but it was the values that they were instilling, uh, and those values were very Western. Shah was a very pro-Western man. So women uh, would begin to show their hair and their legs, um, which to uh, Americans or Westerners doesn't seem very uncommon to it, uh, uncommon at all. However, in Iran, uh, they follow Shia Islam, and it's very, very different uh, and much more conservative and religious. So Shia Islam. Uh, believes that the direct descendants of Muhammad, uh, the prophet of Islam, uh, and the, the primary prophet of Islam, should uh, guide the uh, Islamic religion, uh, while Sunnis believe that the most qualified person uh, should lead Islam. The population majority is definitely Sunni in the world. However, in Iran, Shi uh, the Shiite population is definitely much, much greater 
than that of the Sunni population. It's because of this that, may, um, that many people wear the hijab as uh, Shia Islam is much more conservative and they want to go back to the time of Muhammad. Um, so they weren't as focused on living in the present or the future, but the past, when things were more perfect. Not only this, but uh, women started to wear um, other kinds of clothes like the burqa or the niqab, which were very conservative pieces where you couldn't see um, any part of the woman except her eyes or uh, no part of her at all. Uh, however, under the Shah, these values were not only not upheld, but actually mocked and um, the people wouldn't have it, uh, especially being a Shiite population, they, they would not continue to be um, um, suffer, they would not continue to suffer under the Shah. Just for the reason they rose up and the Iranian Revolution began. Through the Iranian Revolution, they began to instill the Shiite ideals that they had so long forgotten and renationalized Iran's oil. Not only this, but Iran became a religious state, the Islamic Republic, under Ayatollah Khomeini, who uh, was a very, very vocal uh, leader of Iran, the uh, first leader of the Islamic Republic. He was seen as kind of the face of uh, Iran at the time and of the revolution. Uh, being a direct descendant of Muhammad, uh, he was considered to be the leader of Islam and therefore the leader of Iran as there was not really a separation between church and state uh, in Iran. Uh, after this, uh, the Shah fled and he uh, actually went to uh, Mexico. Um, so, um, the question remains, uh, was this revolution justified? And in my personal opinion, I would say 100%, completely. Uh, the United States had um, indirectly and directly suppressed the Iranian people for years. And um, the only thing that I can ask uh, isn't really if it was justified, but more why they didn't do something sooner. Uh, people fight for what they believe in, just as we as Americans fought in the American Revolution for our own ideals of freedom and democracy. And I think the Iranian people did the perfect thing uh, to fight for their ideals and what they believed. So um, next, uh, the Shah was in Mexico, however, uh, he was slowly dying of cancer. It's for this reason that the U.S. temporarily granted the Shah asylum in the United States for cancer treatment uh, chemotherapy. 
um, when he was in the United States for this chemotherapy, the Iranian people requested an extradition of um, of the Shah back to Iran, where he would be uh, tried and almost without a doubt killed. Um, most likely by hanging, as he had done to those uh, so many before him. The U.S., of course, declined this offer, saying that the Shah was, quote, a friend of America, end quote. This, of course, was true. However, a friend of America is not necessarily a friend of the Iranian people, because the only thing he, uh, he did was make oil prices lower for his own personal gain. Uh, it is for this reason that protests broke out outside the U.S. Embassy demanding that the Shah be extradited to America, or to Iran, excuse me. Uh, after um, a little over a day or two of these protests, um, things started to get violent, and protesters eventually broke through the gates at the American Embassy. Um, they proceeded to take hostages and held them for 444 days. During this time, these Americans were tortured, killed, um, uh, killed emotionally, uh, mentally, through um, different practices that the Iranians instilled, such as making them believe that they were going to be shot and killed. Uh, a lot of the time, they were not allowed to sleep. Uh, it was very, very graphic, the things that um, the, uh, the Iranian people did to those that were captured. Um, a common torture method and practice was also putting uh, blindfolds over the faces of many of the American hostages. The president at the time of the actual hostage crisis was President Jimmy Carter. President Carter today, uh, he only served one term. Uh, he's known as a very good man, uh, uh, but not necessarily the best president. And um, that unfortunately was dictated by his handling of the situation because it took 444 days for these hostages uh, to be set free and returned to American soil. Uh, and that was not under President Carter, that was under President Reagan. So many saw this as a uh, fail for President Carter. Fortunately for a few of the Americans, uh, they were able to escape the embassy as it was being taken over, uh, and uh, they seeked um, they sought refuge at the Canadian ambassador's residence in Tehran. The Canadian ambassador uh, gave them uh, food and help and uh, everything that they needed. Uh, then, after this. Uh, the CIA came in uh, with a, um, a movie script 
believe it or not. And uh, people, uh, those Americans there that were able to escape were um, smuggled out on a domestic flight under a cover identity as Canadian film crew. Uh, this is portrayed uh, very well in uh, Ben Affleck's Argo. Uh, however, in the movie, they do not uh, give enough credit to the Canadians, as it was mostly um, uh, their help that were that made it so that those Americans could get back home safely. So today, a popular demonstration method in Iran is uh, burning uh, burning flags. Uh, most uh, definite, most popularly the American flag to show their hate for America, but also the Israeli flag uh, to show their hate for Zionism. Um, not only this, but American presidents would be depicted um, uh, for uh, traits that were of their body or speech or uh, anything that people could find flaws with. Uh, were used by these Iranian people. So, uh, while this was happening, Americans in America, uh, there was a big movement there uh, for all Iranians to be deported. Um, the Iranian embassy here in the United States was uh, captured and no longer is operating to this day. Uh, eventually, uh, when the hostages were released and came back to America, their slogan was, Welcome Back to Freedom, showing that Iran was not a place of freedom, uh, but in fact political tyranny, which wasn't entirely true. And finally, uh, one of the effects uh, seen much later was, uh, of course, the 9-11 attacks, which uh, I, I really don't have time to get into, as that is um, obviously a very, very complicated topic. So Iran today uh, still does protests against America. However, if you speak to people of Iran, they will tell you they love the American people, not necessarily the government but the people. Uh, there are very select few that still believe in uh, all of the teachings of the revolution. Um, and frankly, um, I don't know if that's correct. I mean, most, of, most Iranians use Instagram and other American tools. Uh, however, um, and I think that's good. I think, you know, having Iranians move to be, you know, in more of a friendly stance with America is a very good thing. Uh, however, I don't think they should forget um, uh, what America did to them uh, in the 1950s and uh, up to the Islamic Revolution. Um, so it is because of the Islamic Revolution and most importantly the hostage crisis when the Americans were taken that Iran was seen as a terrorist nation it is to this day. However, people do not see the kind faces of the Iranian people. Iranians are by far the nicest people that you can meet on planet Earth.
um, they have a rich culture, a rich history, and maybe some of the best food in the world. So, I leave you with this question. Did America cause this crisis? The answer is yes. It's for the reasons that I've already said, and many, many more. America loves to get involved with different countries' businesses, and this is no exception, and the reason why the Iranian hostage crisis and the Islamic Revolution took place in Iran, and why the effects are still seen there to this day. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a great day. Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you.